Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, looking to show himself strong or strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And I want to talk about our hearts today from a spiritual perspective, but I think sometimes as we look at the landscape across the world today, our hearts get a little bit down. You look at what's going on and you kind of question and wonder what exactly is happening. But it's interesting with this verse, and we'll tie it in with David and Goliath, God is looking. Sometimes we think he doesn't see what's going on. This verse says he is surveying and looking for people. And frankly, God doesn't care if you're a farmer, a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a mom, or a dad. He's looking for whoever, wherever he can find them, and their heart is completely his. If you fill out the job application, there's only one question. Who owns your heart? That's all God wants to know, is who owns your heart. And when you look at the story of David and Goliath, you realize there was something different in David's heart than there was in the soldiers that were in that battle and even in Goliath's heart. And that's kind of what I want to look at. And if you have a Bible or, and I'm so old school, I still have a hard time with this. If you have a tablet or a phone, you can look it up on there. But we're going to go into Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And when David marched on that battlefield, it was nothing but courage because Goliath looked at him and Goliath figured, there's no way I can lose with this. And yet David looked at the same situation and thought, there's no way I can lose because God is with me. God is working on my behalf. And he really refused to allow himself to fall under the voice of the critics that were there. He refused to flee. He refused to walk in fear. Verses 46 and 47 in 1 Samuel 17 say, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands." Every one of us needs something bigger inside of us. We need to be bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. When you look at the world and you sometimes look at a a leader in, in any capacity and you see them kind of collapse or you see them go sideways or you see them fail somewhere, they weren't bigger on the inside than they were on the outside. And it kind of comes down to character and where is that? But I want to talk about three things today, and the first one is impossible situations can create unprecedented opportunities. And for 40 days, Goliath came out and made fun of the armies of Israel. He came out every day and he sneered and he jeered and he joked and he mocked them. And the soldiers that were there didn't do anything. And I think it simply revealed their enormous fear within their hearts. 
and they thought defeating Goliath was impossible. And it wasn't due to the smallness of their physical condition. It was due to the smallness of their heart and the smallness of their faith. That's what it came down to. And then David shows up, and he hears the taunts, and he's looking at this going, this is like the best situation ever. There's no way I can lose. I kill one guy, we win the whole battle. I kill one guy, the whole nation goes free. I kill one guy, the God of Israel is reigning supreme in a pagan nation. David had a different attitude than the soldiers that were there. And one thing you need to understand about your attitude, it is very personal, but it is rarely private. You ever met somebody and you knew their attitude just by their facial features? Sometimes just by their body language? It belongs to you, but it's out there for everybody else to see. But David saw Goliath as an unprecedented opportunity for victory on basically every level. That's how he viewed this. But the question this morning is, what's coming against you? Who is your Goliath? What kind of a battle are you fighting? And in every decision, you have to answer the question, what's important? And who or what has your heart? Who's got you this morning? Who owns you? And it doesn't matter. It might be a medical battle. It might be financial. It might be spiritual. It might be relational. It might be physical. It doesn't matter. What the answer has to be is the battle belongs to the Lord. David believed differently in his heart. And if you can visualize kind of a pathway, you take the word belief, behavior, experience. What we believe determines how we behave. David believed he could beat Goliath, so he behaved in that way, and the end experience was Goliath died. The soldier's belief was we couldn't do this, so their behavior was they just stood there and were frozen, and Goliath kept making fun of them. But the choice is ours. What we believe determines how we behave, which ultimately ends up in an experience. Maybe I'll pull it down out of the clouds and let's, let's, let's talk about it this way. Whenever I go to the DMV, oh, you've been there, huh? Now, if you work there, please come and talk to me because I work with stuff like this. I never walk out of there horribly excited and thrilled because of the customer service that I've gotten. I feel like I'm kind of an inconvenience. So unfortunately, I go in there, my belief is, this is not going to be any fun at all. And generally, it kind of works that way. But what we believe will determine how we behave, which ultimately lends to an experience. Second part is you need to be faithful in the present. For David, putting an end to Goliath was a more important issue than David's size. In 1 Samuel 16, David was anointed to be the king of Israel. That was David's purpose. In 1 Samuel 17, where we are now, David is the grocery delivery guy. That's his present. Ever been in a spot where your present doesn't match your purpose? Ever had a big dream, but you're kind of at an all-time low? You have big goals, but you got no money? You can feel free to say yes, or at least somebody wink at me. You got a big vision and you got a crummy job? David would understand. He's anointed to be king. That's his purpose. 
But yet his present is the fact that he's running a grocery delivery route. Doesn't match. Doesn't work. And sometimes I think we have a tendency to wait for our big day, our big promotion, that big event. When I get that one, watch out. It's not how it works. David maybe wasn't the people's pick, but he was God's choice, and so are you. You may not be the people's pick, but you're God's choice. If you don't believe me, sometime during the course of this week, just go home and read Ephesians chapter 1 and see what God has to say about you. Again, God is looking at our hearts and wondering, where is our heart? Sometimes the people, not sometimes, the majority of the time, the people God chooses, according to world standards, they're not the most talented, they're not the smartest, they're not the best, but their heart is bent towards God, and that's what he's after. And I think little did David know that his delivery of bread and cheese was going to put him in the spot against Goliath to fulfill his purpose. So you've got Goliath here, and across the valley... There's David standing there holding his rye bread and cheese whiz. Oh, you've been to those dinners. Huh? I still think that's going to be food at the marriage supper of the lamb. Rye bread, cheese whiz with green olives. But it doesn't matter what's in your hands. It matters what's in your heart. And that's what God saw in David. Your present may not be exactly what you imagined it to be, but God has a purpose for you. He's got a direction that he wants to take you. And you're not defined by what's asked of you. You are defined by how you do what is asked of you. When I first started in the ministry, we were in Cheyenne, Wyoming, as youth pastor. Hopefully, Ryan, this is not in your job description. We cleaned the church, we mowed the grass, and we shoveled the snow in the winter for 100 bucks a week. That wasn't really what I thought the ministry was going to be like. I thought it was going to be much funner than that. But sometimes our present doesn't always look like our purpose. And the last thing I want to touch on this morning is your calling is bigger than your critics. God may call you to do something and it will energize you and excite you, but there will be people around you that will criticize you and question you and call on you and wonder, are you doing the right thing? Are you making the right move? Are you going the right direction? And in David's story, there are three, criti three critics, excuse me, insinuation, humiliation, and intimidation. The first one is insinuation, which was David's elder brother, Eliab. And this is what he says in verse 28. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was killed against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil in your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Eliab was insinuating that David was being disobedient, he was being irresponsible. He wasn't taking care of the sheep, he wasn't doing what he should be doing. And he questioned his motives, and that's what insinuation will do. When someone insinuates something against you, it's basically a question of your motive. Why are you doing this? And David didn't argue back and forth with him, and it doesn't do any good to do that anyway. 
The longer you listen to the voice of insinuation, the more it starts to echo, and you can begin to believe that thing, that you're not enough. But the best way to deal with insinuation, don't, deal, don't even bother with it, just move on. And the second voice is humiliation, verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. So the king is basically telling David, you're too young, you're too small, you have no experience, there's no way in the world you can win this battle, there's not a chance. The guy that really should have been supporting David took some real cheap pot shots at him. And again, David didn't fight back, but his heart was in a different place. He knew the honor and the glory of God was at stake, and that's what he was fighting for. There was nothing beyond that for David. Even though Saul's words were directed at David, he didn't take it personally, which sometimes is hard to do. I think basically Saul's words revealed what was in his heart, how small his heart was, and how small his faith was. So when God calls you, don't wait for your big moment. Go after it. Go out there and do something. Step out in faith and do what needs to be done. Keep moving on again with critics and realize there's something, excuse me, there's something wrong in their hearts. It's not you. It's in their heart. And the last voice is intimidation, verse 43. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Goliath took David stepping onto the battlefield as a personal insult. Trash talking is nothing new. It started way back with David and Goliath. But rather than paralyze David, David saw Goliath's intimidation tactics basically as an invitation. He thought the battle with Goliath isn't, again, just for the army of Israel. It's for the nation of Israel. It's for everybody. And it was for the honor and glory of God. Stay focused when you have intimidation and forget about the bullies that are there. Everybody miscalculated David's size. Eliab calculated that he was misplaced. Saul calculated that he was too young. And Goliath calculated that he was too small. Their biggest miscalculation was the size of David's God. That's what they missed. I was talking to one of my clients this week. And he works in a home improvement type industry. And he had gone to a house to do an estimate. And he said it was his first year in selling. And he walked in and he said, as soon as I stepped in the carpet, he said, I was pretty sure I had stepped in cat pee. And then he noticed a hole in the roof. And he thought, well, this estimate probably is not going to happen. So he went through, he measured and did all his stuff. And the cost of the job was $20,000. And he told the lady, he goes, we need a down payment. And the lady said, do you take cash? And he's like, you got a hole in your roof, lady, and the cat pees in the carpet. You're going to give me cash? And she went to the back of the house, and she came back with $10,000 in cash. He had kind of miscalculated the situation. And a lot of times we do that when we look at the world around us and we see what's going on and we see what's happening. We miscalculate how big our God is or maybe we've even forgotten. Maybe he hasn't answered a prayer for you recently, but he's still there. It's still happening. The Bible doesn't say that David had no fear, but it's clear that David's faith was bigger than his fear. So it's not wrong to be fearful. 
It's there. It's an emotion that you can't shut off. You can't stop fear. But the question is, do you believe your fear or do you believe your God? You know, medically, an enlarged heart is a problem for someone. But David's story tells us that a, an enlarged heart in the faith world is a good thing. You want an enlarged heart in your faith. You want it to go that way. And you calculate the power of God correctly. And just some questions as we close this morning. When facing a problem, are you more likely to look for opportunities to glorify God or become discouraged by unlikely odds? What gets your attention? What gets your focus? Are you wanting to do something big for God with your life? Are you hearing any of those voices? Insinuation, humiliation, intimidation? And in what ways do you play it safe when it comes to your faith in God? Now I'm going to get real personal. In what ways does Maranatha play it safe? Hey, you're a light in this community. Ryan talked about it this morning. Announcements were made that you have an, in, you have an opportunity to influence this community with Glendon Days. Don't play it safe. You may look at it and go, do you know what goes on? Yeah, I know what goes on in those things. That's why you are here. To turn that thing. That even though Goliath is standing there on one spot, you are here to make a difference. So don't play it safe. Go after what God has. And I think too often our prayers maybe revolve around asking God to lower the odds in our favor. Ever prayed, I don't know if this is legal or not, but I'm doing it. <laughs> Ever prayed, and while you're praying, you're going, you're praying the right words. In your head, you're going, you know, God, if you do this and this and this, this is going to turn out right. I got four honest people this morning. <laughs> Under your seats is a $100 bill taped. Maybe what God wants to do is stack the odds against us so they look impossible in order that we can experience a miracle of divine proportions. Maybe that's what he's after with each one of us. I think that's what God wants to do. And when you look at the world today, the odds are kind of stacked against us. Or at least it seems that way. God has awesome plans for your future. That's a phrase I tell myself every day. God has awesome plans for my future. Jeremiah says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Hmm? Plans for good, not for evil. That's the awesome plans that God has for you. Those are the things that he wants to do in you and through you. Now we're going to sing hymn number 533, but I want to pray before we're done. Father, I ask that you bless your people with grace and peace, power and protection, health and healing, holiness and godliness, abundance and prosperity, anointing and authority, wisdom and understanding, 
favor and fruitfulness, boldness and courage, and all the fruits and gifts of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.